When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. I got a special guest with us today, my buddy James Mistrucci from over at This Is Believe Land. Um, they cover every facet of Cleveland sports, um, podcasts, uh, written content, you know, recaps, it, it, really everything. Um, and James, you know, if you scroll through, he's pretty much the only byline up there. My man works harder than I do. Uh, James, welcome to the show. Uh, it's very good to have you here after you've had me on this is Believe One podcast a couple of times. This is fun. Oh, this is great. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, I've been been looking forward to this once you uh, messaged me the other day. But, you know, uh, you can check out everything Cleveland sports related. So Browns, Indians, now Guardians, uh, Monsters, and Cavs over there. Uh, a lot of those teams are fun to talk about, but success-wise, that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be the story uh, around most parts these days. There's only four teams left right now. Everyone else is home or enjoying the golf course or what have you, whatever we do during the offseason. But uh, our final four is, you know, everything's kind of in full swing right now. we got Houston and Boston are tied at one. We're recording um, – on Monday, uh, this is before they start game three, LA, um, LA and Atlanta are, are <laughs> heading to Los Angeles with a 2-0 uh, lead in uh, Atlanta's favor. But let's go back. I want to start off with uh, Houston and Boston real quick. Um, it, tough not to root for this Boston team. This is just a uh, an upstart group of guys. You know, Nobody was really expecting much out of this group this year. And look at them. They're they're, they're Cruising, they're well on their way. What are your uh, What are your thoughts? I mean, uh, Cleveland's seen these guys a few a few times this year. So uh, you know, I see them. They're they're like a gritty ball club. You know, and they have the it's a cliche saying, but the team that just like never gets up that that's them. You know, they're just never going to give up. They're always in it. Uh, they have tons of pop. They have tons of. I mean, they have everything you want. I mean, when I was watching uh, the wild card game uh, between Boston and New York, I'm just like, they're giving me team of destiny vibes right now. You just kind of see it. <laughs> and it's it's really, I mean, you look at them through the postseason, Enrique Hernandez is, I believe he's coming into Monday night hitting 500 over 32 play to, uh, 32 at bats, 1.6 OPS, five home runs. Like, come on, that, that's just a, a tear. That's Daniel Murphy level tear. If, if you remember 2015, oh, Alex Verdugo, <laughs> Alex Verdugo had an up and down year. He's been, he's been tearing the cover off the ball in the, in the postseason. Rafi Devers, who's probably one of my favorite young players who doesn't get enough, uh, Mentioned at least in the conversation with the the Sotos and the Vladdies of the world, but he certainly belongs there. Um, yeah, I mean that's a that's a fun team to watch, man. It, it, let me say, is there a more Boston Red Sox looking player than Alex Verdugo right now? That dude just <laughs> screams Boston Red Sox player. Okay, 
He's embracing it. Oh, he's certainly embracing it. And then, you know, that's kind of what happens with this team. I don't know if it's the city or the fan base or, you know, you saw it happen in, in 04. You saw it happen mm-hmm. in, you know, when they, when did they win again? 07? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even recently, I mean, everybody just kind of takes on the mentality. And I guess for fans of, of teams who, um, I guess, <laughs> perennially fall up, fall short, and me and you could both attest to that, it almost gives you a, a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of hope. Mm-hmm. It does. You're, it does. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead. I would say, yeah, it does. It does. It, it definitely it, it gives you hope. I mean, it's mostly hope. Uh, very few times does it uh, ever uh, turn out to be anything of relevance. Uh, I know in my <laughs> lifetime, it's been nothing. <laughs> so uh, it's been a while since of, uh, the Mets have won 86. Uh, so that's a while, too. So. Yeah, they flirted with it, but that was about all. But um, yeah. and, and how about Houston? I, I mean, this is a team that you know, their legacy is is for for lack of a better word, it's tainted. Oh yeah! Oh my God! It's just you know at this point, um, you know, I, I guess with the there's always going to be whispers as we even as we saw during the last round. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always going to be, uh, I guess, the, the eye of skepticism on them. But you know, by all accounts, they're doing it clean right now, and and. Uh, they're still an impressive group. I mean, Bregman's not really looking like uh, the player he was during the regular season, but boy, Altuve, Carlos Correa, who's heading into free agency, absolutely on fire. Jordan mm-hmm. Alvarez, who I absolutely adore as a player. Kyle Tucker. I mean, it's a, that's a fun team. I, it, it's shaping up to be a really nice series. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's keeping my interest. And when you're a, a neutral fan watching something, if the series can keep your interest, that means the series is going well. <laughs> now, actually, I wanted to ask you about that. Once this, like, I, of course, once our teams are out of it, once the postseason starts, how easy is it for you to put away your your fandom? Like watching the White Sox in, in the divisional round. Was there any part of you rooting for that team, or were you just kind of there to enjoy good baseball? I'm here to enjoy good baseball. Entertain me. Uh, have something incredible happen, like with the Red Sox the other night, two grand slams in the same game by the same team. Give me, give me some history. Give me an incredible performance. Entertain me. Uh, but, you know, I, I wasn't sad that the White Sox got eliminated. Let's, <laughs> let's get that. Uh, let's get that there. You know, I didn't have a rooting interest because, you know, it's one's the Astros. The other team's the White Sox. It's just like, okay, I, I hope uh, whoever wins this loses in the next round, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, ultimately, I hope whatever team uh, wins out of the AL loses in the world series, but it's, it's not like I'm actively cheering against anything. Keep me entertained with baseball. I love watching baseball. Right. And, and, you know, the conversation's kind of been making its way around to our parts over the last you know few days. Well, all the time it kind of pops itself back up, but you know, for Yankees fans who find themselves enjoying this Red Sox team, it's gotta be tough. Now, you know, as a Mets fan watching Atlanta, perform really really well that's a fun team to watch mm-hmm. like uh, you know of course like we're almost trained to say no 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 no. screw the braves we don't like the braves <laughs> and, and you know you almost have to fight your instincts at some of these points but you know you look up and down the roster you got austin riley ozzy albies freddie freeman who's slumping a little bit right now but he's still freddie freeman eddie rosario who had a really nice game on sunday night he, he mm-hmm. spent some time in cleveland um you know i i I find myself just sitting back enjoying the show. I mean, you know, when they're playing the Mets, it's one thing, but um, I don't know. 
I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. When I, when I was a teenager, I hated Chipper Jones with every ounce of me. <laughs> and now I'm sitting here watching, you know, watching Atlanta. Um, it pretty much shocked the National League. If they could they really are. knock off the Dodgers, which I don't predict the Dodgers laying down, especially going back to L.A., but mm-hmm. boy, if they could knock off the Dodgers, that's a story. That is a story, uh, and they're doing it without Ronald Acuna Jr. too, so that's even you know a bigger story. But, I mean, as we saw last year, uh, the Braves were up on the Dodgers last year, and the Dodgers came back and won. So, Right, right. You, oh, yeah. you can't, can't count them out. I know a lot of people were trying to count them out in the last series against the Giants. I'm like, just wait. It's the Dodgers. It's the Dodgers. <laughs> and they've been close games. You know, they've both yeah. been walk-off wins. Um, the Dodgers certainly had their chances. They haven't been hitting with runners in scoring position at all, and that's just not their M.O. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you have to assume it's going to turn into quite the series. They're, they're certainly conserving uh, Scherzer that he could have went more last night. He, you know, mm-hmm. they, it looks like they're certainly setting him up to maybe do another relief appearance, maybe do another start. And well, well certainly another start if it gets that far. But um, yeah, it's, it's shaping up to be a, to be a good one. Do you have any, um, you have any picks world series champ blind shot? Uh, like I said, I, I said team of destiny vibes for the Red Sox. I'm picking the Red Sox. I like it. I like it. Well, let's, Let's jump back into into our teams for a second, because I think there's yeah. more than enough content to to discuss there. Um, right off the Absolutely. top, just because it was <laughs> it was fresh news in the in the news cycle today, even though it wasn't really fresh news. It's kind of what everyone expected. Uh, the Mets continue their search for a president of baseball operations. Of course, a couple of weeks ago, Theo Epstein bowed out. Um, that was to be expected, and we spoke about it here. Probably not the best choice anyway, but uh, David Stearns has officially, uh, the Brewers officially denied the Mets' uh, request for permission to interview. Also expected, and Billy Bean um, put it out through the media on Monday that he was uh, taking him and himself out of consideration. So, you know, the Mets have options. Um, I think any lateral moves were kind of almost going to be um, – a long shot at this point, uh, whether it was going to be permission or just, you know, guys are happy where they're, where they are, or in Billy beans case, he's jumping into a whole new world of financial stuff that if you guys missed last week's episode, by the way, Taryn Sharma um, from conduct detrimental broke down all of that stuff. So after you listen to this show, go back and listen to that one. He predicted like the entire week. It was amazing. Anyway, um, <laughs> Mark Chernoff, who's been in Cleveland for, a number of years, his name's starting to be tossed around. And again, at this point, all they are names being tossed around, but mm-hmm. you, you've had a first, first-hand view of how he conducts his business. Would you, um, would you co-sign for him taking on a, uh, a much, uh, I guess a, a larger role and a more prominent role um, in New York? Well, you know, you'd hate to lose him here in Cleveland, but I mean, he has shown to be competent. He has shown to be able to do his job well. Um and this wouldn't be the, the first time that his name's popped up with the Mets. I believe it popped up a year ago uh, during the same search to look for um, to, for a front office job. And he ultimately stayed in Cleveland. But it, it seems like he's just kind of getting – where there's smoke, there's fire. And eventually he's getting just pulled into that direction. You know what I mean? I, so I wouldn't be surprised if ultimately he ends up in New York. But, you know, I, I, no complaints from the job he's done here. Yeah, I mean, he's had certain, um, I guess you could say, financial constraints um, in Cleveland. You know, he can't go out and do necessarily what he wants to do. He has to kind of do what he has to do. Mm-hmm. And the Cleveland, and and you know, Cleveland's had. I keep on 
stop myself from calling them the Indians. I'm just going to say Cleveland for now. But uh, <laughs> I, um, you know, they, they've done, you know, he was there in 2016 when they made it to game seven, correct? I believe so, but let me double check. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I want to say he was, if not in the same position in the organization, I, I believe. Yeah. But uh, see, he is. Since 2010, he's been with uh, Cleveland. Oh, yeah. So, shit. I mean, you know, we've seen them build winners or at least damn close to it. <laughs> as close as Cleveland's gotten in a while. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess, you know, outside perspective, all we know him is as the I guess he's the son of um, one of our local sports radio stations, I guess, uh, producer or, you know, top, yeah, yeah, his, top uh, yeah. Mike's father, Mark, is the vice president of programming for CBS Radio in New York. There we go. That's the one. Is it, what is it? CBS Viacom? I believe so. Something in my head. You don't have to. It, yeah. It's okay. yeah. <laughs> I should have had this stuff in front of me. Oh, um, it's, all, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, I guess there would be a homecoming of sorts. And at this point, I guess from a fan's perspective, all we want is someone who's, you know, capable, someone who has the the track record of, of proven success, someone who's just able to do the job well, because that's, I mean, honestly, that's what this organization needs. Sandy Alderson, whether he wants to or not, probably isn't the right guy to head up baseball operations. And he's made it clear. He doesn't want to be that guy. And I don't think anybody kind of wants him to be that guy right now. Um, I'm certainly intrigued by Chernoff. Uh, I like Raquel Ferreira in, in Boston, uh, despite the, I could think, guess there's a hiring freeze. The Mets hiring front office execs from Boston until after the offseason, after they hired uh-huh. Zach Scott. But, you know, I'm sure that's something they can work out. But, yeah, you have to kind of wonder where the Mets go from here. But um, I'm just sitting back watching the watching the show. We'll, we'll, they'll get all that fixed, uh, figured out. They'll get um, a manager in place. And I, who, you know, goodness knows who they're going to bring in to do that job at this point. But, you know, whoever they bring in, it's, it all comes down to the roster. Um, mm-hmm. I did want to ask you a little bit about the, uh, the swap from last year between Lindor. I mean, the Mets and, and Cleveland. Lindor yeah. coming here and you guys getting quite the haul going back. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to take a really, really quick break before we jump into that. Uh, hear from our sponsors and we'll, we'll bring it right back. Hang tight. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And welcome back. Once again, we are here with James Mastrucci from This Is Believeland. Uh, we're just kind of shooting the breeze at this point, but we did want it to kind of overlap and see where everybody stands after year one of the trade between the Mets and the Indians last year. Mets and the Guardians last year. Is that official now, by the way? Are there, are it's, there- it's, it's not until after the, the season is officially over for baseball, but for you know all intents and purposes, we can just call them Guardians from here on out. Awesome. And by the way, Awesome name. What a great, great choice. Um, I didn't know the history between the name and the city. 
And then mm-hmm. you see, you know, you see all the architecture and you hear like the story behind it. And how freaking cool is that? I'm psyched for you guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's definitely out of the the batches of names that were available was uh, the best one available. Now, is it like my all time favorite? You know, possibility no, but do I have a better alternative? Also no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the the being able to connect it to the the guardian statue is really cool. Uh, it's it's a landmark in the city. It's been here for a long time. Uh, unfortunately, like just like how you mentioned, a lot of people didn't even know they existed. Uh, so that's been a, a fun <laughs> conversation to have to educate people on. Of oh, this is why they named the Guardians, you know. But <laughs> you know, the some of the other names are getting floated around. It's like oh, are we gonna re, uh, rename them as the Naps again, or the Spiders, or the Dobies, or Wild Things. It was just like oh, come on, uh, you know. It, Guardians was the best out of those. So. But some of those other names are really terrible. Like one of them, I think, was like Broncos with an H in it. It's just like I don't know what that was. <laughs> I didn't see that one, but yeah, what? I'm not sure where that comes from. There's got to be a story behind that. Yeah, like a hundred and something years ago, they were called the Cleveland Broncos at one point. But with it, but with a CH. Yeah, C H O S. Yeah. Huh. That's strange. I, I would have been fine with the spiders. I know that they were short-lived. I know that they were historically bad. I think we had this conversation on your show. I would have been totally yeah. fine with the spiders. Spiders is, I was not a fan of the spiders in, in, in for two separate reasons. One, um, it was an unaffiliated, unrelated franchise. So it was it's a completely different franchise than yeah. the, the, the current Guardians one. But, you know, part of the, the myth of why the team had the name Indians for so long, this is a player that played on the spiders. Uh, they kind of concocted some sort of story, which was actually a lie. Right, because uh, it wasn't about honoring uh, Louis Sac Alexis. It was about copying the Boston Braves and won the World Series the year prior. Okay, <laughs> so it, it, that was just the, a cover story to keep the name longer than they should have. Built on a foundation of lies, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, oh, that's, so that's so, a new page. That's good. Yeah, so I think you know distancing themselves from that and any possible relation to that it was the best course of action you know the same thing with like names like tribe and stuff like that you know people trying to say that's the thing i'm like we got you gotta just start over (laughs) yeah just kind of cut the cord yeah and that's okay i mean i guess they're kind of even on the field they're kind of turning the page and um as we were just going to get into what a segue by the way um you know moving moving lindor who was the face of the franchise and um Mm -hmm. You know, I guess that was almost a first step in that direction, whether it was intended or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's almost a, a complete rebranding. Um, and as we were saying before the break, kind of one year ahead now, um, you know, looking back, I know Francisco Lindor didn't have the uh, the greatest of years on the surface. Mm-hmm. A very, very slow start. I got the numbers here. 212, 301, 356. There was first 320 plate appearances. That was through the end of June. Yeah. Uh, he missed, ooh, let's say, about mm, about five, six weeks with the uh, oblique in July mm-hmm. into August. But, you know, from July 1st to the end of the season, he hit 259, 356, 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, 132 weighted runs created plus, which is pretty much who Francisco Lindor is. Mm-hmm. You know, every baseball player has ups and downs. Did he ever have such a prolonged slump that we saw early on in this season and it was, you know, for someone who watched him come up, was that concerning to you or is that kind of just part of his game? 
I believe he had a very similar slump to start off 2020 um, while he was still in Cleveland. Because uh, yeah. I remember he, he was struggling for a prolonged period of time. Uh, let's see. Through the f- Looking at 2020, he was batting 234 uh, mid, midway through the season, but it was a 60-game season. But he was batting, you know, only 234, 293, 393 on August 21st last year. So that was game 26. But was it as prolonged as what you had this year? No, but it, it was still something. I mean, because it was both Lindor and Ramirez last year that were both slumping at the same time, which is why that team right. was not particularly uh, prolific in the offensive department. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you know, of course, as the season came around, after he got healthy, especially uh, after the oblique thing, and even before the oblique, he was really starting to come around. You know, we kind of saw the full scope of Francisco mm-hmm. Lindor. And I believe even missing five, six weeks of the season, he still finished second in the majors in outs above average um, among all position players. I mean, we saw the the ceiling there. We saw, I guess, the joy of uh, him being reunited with uh, Javier Baez, which I think a lot of mm-hmm. Mets fans hope that happens again. But now you guys got to see Ahmed Rosario, who, from a Mets fan's perspective, we waited a really, really long time. And I think a lot of Mets fans forget that Ahmed came up at such a young age. And he's mm-hmm. still, I believe he's only 25. I have it, I have it here, but inconsequential. <laughs> um he, came, he went to Cleveland this year, and, and, you know, I have his numbers here, 282, 321, 409. Granted, mm-hmm. 731 OPS isn't ideal. I'm still the head of the, the Ahmed Rosario 800 OPS fan club. I, I will, I'll remain <laughs> in that post until future notice. But, um, you know, highest walk rate of his career was only 5.3%, but baby steps are good. He still <laughs> flies, six triples. Um, his defense, I mean, in 2019, the full season is short. He was negative 13 OAA. Uh, his, you know, his defensive metrics were still just a shade underneath average this year, negative three. But, you know, you guys kind of got to see Ahmed Rosario's next gear. Um, you have Andre Jimenez, who can also play the position. You have prospects coming up. Is this a guy that, that you feel is going to stick around and is going to be a, a cornerstone in Cleveland? I think he should, and a lot of that's because of they need to find some sort of stability uh, in this organization, this franchise. You know, in the, in the post Francisco Lindor, post Carlos Santana era here, because mm-hmm. um, you know Jose Ramirez is here, but you know for how long? I mean, I hate to say it, but that's always the question when it comes to players of that type. Oh, um, we'll get to him in a second, buddy. Oh, I know, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know. With him, he 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 produced. He's he turns twenty six in about a month. Um, they stopped messing around and had him in center field. They put him back at shortstop where he belongs, um, because like it or not, man, he was struggling at at the plate while he was out in the outfield. Uh, in the twenty nine games that they had him either playing in the outfield or shortstop, just you know, not exclusively in shortstop. He was only slashing 221, 288, 358. That's a 646 OPS. Um, his bad average of balls in play was 264. He had three doubles, two triples, two homers, uh, 74 WRC plus uh, over that yeah, time. That's, that's, the, see, that's, that's the Rosie that we saw a bunch of. And he would come out in spurts. But, you know, if everything was, like you said, if everything wasn't just right, 
If everything, like if he was struggling in the field, it translated to his bat, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever the case may have been. And it sounded like that was the case early on. Yeah. And, you know, when they put him back to shortstop, just had him be at shortstop, didn't have to worry about learning a new position on the fly. He padded so much better. 295, 329, 420, 748 OPS. So still lower than your Ahmed Rosario 800 OPS club, but progress getting better. Um, yeah. He had 22 doubles, four triples, nine homers. I mean, he was much better uh, at shortstop than he was at center field. Uh, and uh, oh, yeah. oh, thir- 356 batting average on balls in play. Uh, so oh, about well, 100 points. That might not, it might not be sustainable, but but again, I think with Rosie's tools, it kind of fits him well. Where mm-hmm. just put it in play, and you saw. I'm sure you guys have seen the battles, and you know he hits into the gaps and just watch him fly. You know he's that just he's finding himself as a player. I think the Mets had in mind super prospect who is going to be a gold glove shortstop, who's going to be a power hitting speedster, five tool guy. That's just not who Rosario is. Um, if he can get a little more patient and a little more disciplined at the plate, which this year it looks like he did, mm-hmm. you know, get his walk rate up to 8%, get his on base percentage up to 340. Oh, and that's, that's like your peak Ahmed Rosario. And, and I hope he can get there. And I really do. Uh, I think he fits in in Cleveland well. Now, you touched on Jose Ramirez. I also touched on Jose Ramirez this week at the Apple. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, for for a team like the Mets who who need a third baseman, um, they've tried some in-house options. It really hasn't uh, proven to be, you know, sustainable. Mm -hmm. You can look out on the the open market. Um, Carlos Correa has already said that he's willing to play third base for a new team. Chris Bryant's going to be out there. Jose Ramirez won't cost um, salary. He will cost a boatload in prospects. The, you know, mm-hmm. Cleveland tried to move him at the trade deadline last year. Um, we've heard reports of the Yankees being involved, the Blue Jays being involved. Do you feel that a, a trade is, I don't want to say imminent, but on the horizon again? And um, do you think that, you know, turning Cleveland into the Mets of the Midwest is something that, that that front office would be involved would be I guess interested in because I mean just the, the haul that he got back for Lindor those are good players and you're getting some <laughs> hypothetically very good players in return for Ramirez. Um, do you think it's possible that that he goes this winter? I mean, it, it's possible. the The one thing I've learned since uh, covering this team is that they're always listening to offers on everyone. Okay, and that's because of a, that's a that's a function of the the financial situation here. Okay, so they're always going to be listening to offers. It, you know, as crazy as it sounds, I can tell you right now, they've probably had teams offer them on Shane Bieber. Okay, they've probably had offers on every player on that roster. Okay, just to have conversations. Like, let's see, uh, let's just kind of have a a little uh, a little experimental conversation, see where that goes. But it, is it imminent? I don't know if it's imminent, but I, I can tell you right now they're having conversations. I mean, the, the past five years, every offseason has been uh, – it's it was about like Lindor or Kluber or Clevenger and, and Jose. So that it's just – it's what it is at this point. Uh, yeah. Do I think he gets moved? I would say doubtful only because he's still relatively inexpensive. But would I be surprised? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. And, and – it's funny because, I mean, I, I just kind of threw some names out there um, in the article this weekend. You know, oh, if they're moving a third baseman, we'll give them a third baseman, J.D. Davis, and maybe an, another 
left side of the infield prospect to kind of bridge that gap. But, you know, Cleveland's got Nolan Jones coming up. I know they're very, um, he's mm-hmm. very highly regarded. Uh, oh, there's someone else at shortstop who I popped in my head, but who would be blocking. Well, you know, you have Ahmed there, but you they have another mm-hmm. prospect near, near behind him. I just can't remember who it is, but you know, in a perfect world. Yeah. You pick up Jose Ramirez, who's I think due 26 million over the next two years, both option years, you know, the, you turn that into a four-year deal on top of that, and mm-hmm. maybe you're looking at six years, 150 million. You know, for for a guy who's had the third most F WAR in baseball since 2016, you know that's the bargain of all bargains. Um, Cleveland's going to want everybody. They're going to want Beatty. They're going to want Ronnie Mauricio. They're going to want JT Ging or Matt Allen. Um, yeah, I'm very curious to see if the Mets are making that call, but. First, they got to hire a freaking front office. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, as, as far as Cleveland's concerned, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Owen Miller got some playing time. Uh, another player that who's high up there in the prospect ranking is Tyler Freeman. Um, uh, uh, Owen Miller, o- Owen, he came from uh, San Diego, correct? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. You know, Sorry, we had I didn't him play. <laughs> yeah, we had him play a little bit. Uh, yeah, he did come from San Diego. I had to double check. Uh, All right, he he was a he was okay. Definitely a work in progress type player uh, as things currently stand. But I mean, it's just you know a young guy getting his first taste in the major leagues, and there's always that adjustment period. So there there are options in the infield, but like. The one thing we all know is that, you know, if you're going to make a trade and if you're a team that just needs players, getting middle infielders is the best way to go about it. <laughs> those guys can get those guys can get moved anywhere. I mean, uh, you know, people may forget, but Jim Tomey was originally a shortstop. So, I mean, that's just how it goes. Oh, I just pictured Jim Tomey in like the latter portion of his career playing shortstop. And I got a nice little giggle out of that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. Uh, awesome. geez. But, you know, that's just, this is how it goes. Um, yeah. Get, get we've a, seen how many, how many center fielders have were former shortstops. Who was it? Uh, oh, for the Mets, Juan Lagares won a yeah. gold glove out there. He came up as a shortstop, you know, they just an athletic position. And, you know, I look at Ronnie Mauricio and if the Mets don't have to move him, I don't want to move him. I, he's probably my favorite Mets prospect right now. And that's including Francisco Alvarez, just, over the moon about this kid, but yeah, um, you know, that's the kind of mistake they made with Rosario is that they had the opportunity to put him out in center field, try him in the corners and they never did. Now he gets to Cleveland last year and uh, you know, he looked like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, if it wasn't for the, the struggles of uh, Andres Jimenez at the plate, um, he wouldn't have moved back to shortstop because um, Andres Jimenez was still productive defensively, but his bat was non-existent uh, when they first had him. And that's, that's why Rosario went back to shortstop. And we saw the interesting combination of outfielders this year uh, in, in Cleveland, <laughs> uh, you know, and there isn't a, there isn't a move back to center field for Rosario here in Cleveland at any time soon. Cause you know, we picked up miles straw at the deadline and that dude, right. that dude is incredible. And he's exciting. Uh, you know, the one-two combo of Straw and Rosario at the top of the lineup, it's it's kind of old school. But, I mean, sometimes you just got to find something to lean on for your team like Cleveland and just, like, and, and go that way. I mean, look at the Royals. I mean, the Royals are always a pain to play. They're, they're not yeah. necessarily a good team, but they're, they're going to beat you with contact and speed. 
Right. And and you look at Cleveland and you have such great pitching. Bieber, Savale, McKenzie. I mean, um, if Karen Chack could regain his whatever he lost. Oh, God. Uh, yes. Oh, he, but he was electric. And, and I know it coincided with the sticky stuff, but he was electric. You know, you don't throw a hundred with sticky stuff, that movement. That's one thing. And he'll, he'll get that. But I, I really see him as a guy who can transition from thrower to pitcher. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you know, yes. um, yeah. extracurriculars aside, I know he's kind of a jerk, but that's not a conversation mm-hmm. for today. Yeah. <laughs> um, and who was, uh, Ah, oh, cripes. There's another pitcher I really like out there. Emmanuel Classe. There you go. Freaking fireballer. Oh, my goodness. He it, had some it, command issues, though. It, he did. He, he he locked him down towards the end of the season. Um, nice. It, it's still the occasional adventure on the mound. You, you can always tell when that when that day's coming, when one of those outings are coming. You can tell <laughs> the first couple pitches. It's like, oh, here we go. Uh, but, you know, oh, we another, know about that. Uh, another guy that kind of came out of nowhere was uh, – Anthony Ghost, they, they transitioned him from outfield to a left-handed reliever that throws 100. They had right. two guys that throw 100 miles an hour in the bullpen. And, like, Anthony Ghost, it's fun. He's fun. Oh, sure. I think he came up with the Phillies. I remember seeing him when he was he, a pitcher with the Phillies and, and um, when um, outfielder with the Phillies. Yeah, he played for the, the Tigers for a brief minute. Then we got him and decided, like, you know what? You're going to be a pitcher. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, hopefully, you know, he, he sticks around. He keeps working, you know, comes an important player. I mean, he's, you know, 30. So it's not like he's got like a long career out of him. But, you know, if he can get some productive years out of him, that, that's fantastic. Oh, most definitely. I hate Jacob DeGrom was a 27 year old rookie, man. You can always get some uh, some peak performance <laughs> out of these out of places you might not. He was supposed to be a relief pitcher. That's I mean, it still blows my mind. You just, you know, there's gems to be uncovered anywhere. Um, any, any bold predictions for, for Cleveland's off season or kind of just keeping the, keeping the boat moving? Uh, it, it, I, I expect a very similar off season to the last few, uh, not, not as much cost cutting. Okay. Cause I don't think <laughs> they can uh, accomplish that again. If they do, they'd, they'd be, they'd be, uh, uh, getting paid by players, not paying players, uh, if they <laughs> went at that same rate. Um, <laughs> but you know, they said that they're looking to spend or add this off season. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, you know, it's it's just what it is. I mean, they're going to have to do a whole bunch of renovations at the stadium. Uh, the proposal for the lease extension. That while they've agreed to it, it still has to be approved by, you know, the, the government bodies and stuff like that. So who knows in, in terms of that, um, there, there are concerns. Uh, there are some, you know, I guess comments I saw in, in an article um, the other day about that, how it's not a good look uh, for the city of Cleveland and, you know, some of the, uh, the poverty issues, then dropping half a billion dollars uh, stadium renovations, not a new stadium. But um, as, as far as, as that's concerned, that's something to keep an eye on. Um, there's nothing that, to me that said that uh, it's not going to go through, but it's just something to be like, I'm going to check back on you later. <laughs> yeah. uh, but as far as you know, spending is concerned, I, I don't see a whole bunch. I was even like going out and signing Carlos Correa or, you know, Marcus Simeon or whoever, you know, uh, middling free agents. Um, maybe they bring in someone else to compete with Bobby Bradley at first base. Cause he's exactly who I thought he was. And it's not something that you're not looking to upgrade from. Uh, 
outfield would be an area to just kind of look around corner outfield types. Um, Josh Naylor's fine, but you know, he's recovering from that brutal injury. Uh, oh, that was, appears, oh, that was nasty. Yeah. It appears they have no interest in putting Framiel Reyes out in the outfield. So he's like their full-time DH. So it's, it's just kind of like navigating some of those positional type things that, you know, they figured some stuff out this season with some players that they, they took a couple gambles on some guys for exclusively being the purpose of flipping them, flipping them at the deadline. That's what they did, you know, with Cesar Hernandez, Eddie Rosario, but yeah. it's, it's, it is what it is. Uh, you just, you hope for, for progress. I thought they were going to be an around 500 team. They were an around 500 team. Um, they were competitive. Oh, they were fun to watch, man. They were much more fun to watch post-trade deadline than they were pre-trade deadline. Uh, And it's mostly because, you know, there there was no expectation for the postseason at that point. Um, There was no more having to watch guys that were just struggling play on a regular basis. Uh, They already, at that point, they abandoned the Jake Bowers experiment. So it was just like, okay, let's see what these pitchers got that, you know, no one's ever heard of before, you know, Eli Morgan <laughs> and all those other guys, uh, you know, um, I can, Hankins, I can, Hankins never came up this year. Did he? Uh, I do not believe so. Uh, no. you know, looking at guys like, uh, Cal Quantrill, uh, Logan Allen, Eli Morgan, you know, those guys come up. I mean, those guys pitched like and Tristan, uh, Tristan McKenzie reaching what appears to be uh, closer to what his actual performances rather than struggling out of the gate like he did. But, you know, Nick Sandlin was interesting. He was kind of fun. But, you know, there are things to look forward to, things to things to be like, OK, I don't want to see any more of that. But that's just kind of how it is. <laughs> yeah, but it seems like they're uh, certainly a candidate to add a couple of like mid-level reinforcement pieces and really yeah. kind of just pull things along. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I, I think they're going to do something with their catcher situation because they have two catchers who are both uh, described as good defensively, but neither can hit. So <laughs> maybe find some sort of catcher in that department. Um, you know, we trotted out the five different catchers this year. It was Austin Hedges and Roberto Perez. Then after that, it was Rene Rivera, Wilson Ramos, and Ryan LaVarnway. Okay. And if you've ever seen Ryan LaVarnway's bat, it looks like a wiffle ball bat. It's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> it's, like, it's like pure yellow. That's awesome. But you, know, uh, you, you have, uh, you had Wilson Ramos. You had a couple of Mets in there. Wilson Ramos and um, who's the other one you mentioned? Uh, Rene Rivera. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. two-time New York Met Rene Rivera. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so they tried those guys out. Those guys didn't play a whole lot, but they were all better offensively than Hedges and, and Perez. So, Yeah, well, Hedges is such a fun defensive catcher. I'm not sure if he's lost anything with age, but I watched him a bunch in San Diego. What a, what a joy to watch him receive a game. I'm not sure if he still has the same – level he's, of skills he, back there. But. He's still he's still really good back there. And, you know, when he connects on a ball, he connects on a ball. So that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, the problem is that uh doesn't happen all that much. <laughs> <laughs> no, offense was never really his calling card. But, boy, he calls it just a terrific game behind the plate. Yeah. So, uh, move a catcher, I think, because they're, they're paying a lot of money to those two guys. You know, not, like, ridiculous, but, you know, a considerable amount of money to two catchers who can't hit. So <laughs> preferably, you, preferably you get one guy that can hit. 
Oh yeah, well you're talking to the the, the fan of the team with James McCann getting forty million dollars <laughs> over the next four years. So, oh man, uh, you know I've watched James McCann for a long time because he spent you know this career in the AL Central before moving over to Queens. Uh, I think sure. he's gonna I think he's gonna figure it out sooner rather than oh later, me too. But yeah, but he, he you, was he was brutal this year. I'm not gonna lie. No, well you saw it. No, you did see him come out, and I believe there was probably a six week stretch where he was. I mean, this was the uh, quote unquote bench mob era when you know every bit of help was needed yeah he was he was hitting well above the average major league catcher would for for a, a decent stretch of time but yeah then he just came falling down i believe his back um started acting up on him which mm-hmm. you know it's going to happen he's their catchers it's you know it's a long season it's a very very trying position but um mm-hmm. yeah uh, you know he, there was criticism at the beginning when he got such a long deal uh and it, you know, and stumbling out of the gate didn't help. And uh, it being nicknamed James McCants pretty early also didn't help image-wise. <laughs> okay. Yes, he McCann. Yes, he McCann. That's what we'll say. Uh, James, um, I'm running out of time, but everyone can find you, of course, if this is Believe Land. Um, just want to run through your, your your Twitter handles and you know best places for everyone to find your content, all that good stuff. All right. So, uh, you know, this is believe one.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jimitude. That's J I M M M I T U D E. Uh, there you'll find, uh, the Twitter handle for this is believe one. And under that, there are more Twitter handles for every team for the team specific accounts. Uh, the, this is believe one podcast can be found on Apple podcasts, Spotify, anchor, SoundCloud, and this is believe one.com as well. Nice. And how about your brownies, man? They um they, they kind of coughed one up on Sunday, but that's a fun team. Uh, they're they're a fun and frustrating team. I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> you know just as well as I do how polarizing a team with Odell Beckham Jr. on it can be. Oh, uh, I yeah. What could have been? I'm such a big ODB fan, and uh, and I hope he figures it out. But he needs someone with precision throwing to him, and. Unfortunately, Baker Mayfield might not be that guy. Uh, I, I don't think it's the guy. I got my uh, This is Believe Lund, uh Real Browns Fans podcast, the joint podcast that I do between uh, my website and someone, uh, my co-host, Jordan Cohen, who uh, does stuff for Real Browns Fans. Uh, it's a joint podcast, and we're doing recording that later. We're going to get into yesterday's uh, – Affair, uh, if we can call it that, a <laughs> contest, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's we're not gonna we're not gonna mince words when it comes to uh, how we think Baker Mayfield has uh, performed, not only just yesterday but overall in the season. It's 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 an exercise in frustration, man. If he just wasn't so tough and wasn't so like likable by the fan base, this would be a much easier conversation to have with the general fan base. Sure, and they put a lot of stock in him. And, and, you know, when he's playing right, when he's playing at his, at his peak, he's really good. But he's just the, the consistency hasn't been there. The people around him haven't always been there. The line hasn't always helped him. And he's mobile, but, boy, he's not that mobile at times. <laughs> but uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, that was my highlight from, um, from Sunday for at least hey, one. Hey, hey, Larry. One. <laughs> uh, I, how, how did Arizona – I, I only have another minute before we run out here, but how does Arizona know that a long pass is coming? Mayfield let the ball go 
probably ahead of his own 40 yard line. And there were still three guys who were, I don't know, 10, 15 yards away from where, where the ball landed. I just, it blew my mind. I, I don't understand how that happened. That was just atrocious <laughs> defense from Arizona. Uh, anyone, who had, anyone who had DPJ on their fantasy team was loving that play. Um, but yeah, I, I watched the the video. I watched like the little, little dot thing that they do with like the play and the routes and how everyone moves. It's just like when that ball's like five yards away from the end zone, there are three guys on Arizona's like 15 yard line. I'm just like, how are you not all just standing with your heels on the end zone uh, when the ball snapped? It is beyond me. Unbelievable. But, hey, that's, that's the NFL these days, man. Just a uh-huh. wing and a prayer. Yeah. Um, James, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on, man. This was a blast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been a good time. I'll have to have you uh, over on mine uh, sometime soon. Uh, maybe some oh, and, and, and uh, Guardians swing another trade. Oh, yeah. We're going to ping pong this thing back and forth up until opening day. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Um. Everybody, you know where to find us, of course. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, everything goes up at the Apple. Um, subscribe, rate, review, paid subscribe, free subscribe to the Apple. I, I don't have to go through all this. You guys know where we're at. Um, you know where to find us. We'll see you next week. You know the sign-off. Let's fucking go, Mets. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.